Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. You're listening to Coach Rita on the LOA Radio Network. Many say that the law of attraction doesn't always work. And Coach Rita would like to show you why it's not working. During this hour, you will gain great insight that will help you to make easy changes to become the great co-creator that you came here to be. Tune in and discover your missing link to the Law of Attraction with Coach Rita Hurry. Hello everyone and welcome to a new show of Your Missing Link to the Law of Attraction with me, your host, Coach Rita Hurry. I hope you are all feeling great and over here it is spring and I am pleased to say that the sun is finally shining. It may not be as warm as we'd like it but The birds are singing and the sun is shining and we're not freezing cold. So that's one of the plus points at the moment. So we are very happy about that. And I hope wherever you are in the world that the sun is shining too. And if it isn't, well, don't let that get you down. Remember, the sun should always be shining in your heart. And no matter where you are or what's going on in life, There is always the opportunity to make things work for you, to make yourself happy because you are the creator of your life. Well, today we don't actually have a Coach Rita Hurry's Corner, but we do have a very, very inspiring show. Karen Lovett, who is a life coach, speaker and international radio host, will be joining me after the break and she will be sharing her journey as well as what actually happened when she had a life-changing accident which left her with a traumatic brain injury. Now Karen is well and truly an inspiration to us all and she shares how she has started to build her life back up and overcome those low moments which got so low that she even contemplated suicide. So Karen will be joining me after the break to share her journey and also to give those who may be feeling low, who may be also contemplating suicide or have been diagnosed with an illness that they feel they can't escape and they feel that they are almost a victim to it and feel that life is slipping away from them. Karen is a true ambassador of faith in you, of believing in you, of overcoming the difficult phases to move forward and inspire and that is exactly what she does. So It is really an interview not to be missed, so please hang in there, and that will be coming after the break. I, as I mentioned, I don't really have a Coach Rita Hurry's Corner today, but I would just like my short message to you all is really to keep the faith in you, to continue working on building you up, and to know that you have the power to make your life a success Don't feel that it's dependent on other people, that other people control who you are. Don't react to things that are outside of you. Stay strong, stay calm, stay in control of you because everything starts from inside and out. And 
without realizing it. There are so many unseen forces out there that are on your side. You're never, ever alone with whatever it may be. And I get the sense that maybe some people are struggling with a few things right now. Whatever it may be, you are never alone. There are always unseen forces that are there to help you. Whether you believe in it or not, there are. And all you have to do is just take that moment to go within, to connect to your inner self, your inner being, and just be still and quiet. And then you will receive the strength, the inner guidance, the spiritual guidance that you need. So never ever doubt that the answers are within because that's where you are at your strongest. So I just wanted to share that as I felt that that was a message that I needed to get out there for you. So please have faith in you. And if you wish to contact me by email, by all means do so. If you're a regular listener, you should know the email by now, but it's info at coachrita.co.uk. And you can also follow me on Twitter, which is at Coach Rita Hurry, and also on Facebook, and that's Rita the Coach. So please, you know, come join me on social media or email me if there's any questions you have or any topics that you'd like me to cover, please share that with me. I have had a few requests for a couple of topics, so please be patient with me. I will get round to talking about those topics for you when I get um, a longer segment for Coach Rita Hurry's Corner and I will slip it in as well and ask our experts as well what they think in terms of these certain topics. So we'll make sure that we do actually cover those topics. So if I haven't covered your topic yet and you have emailed me, please be patient with me. I haven't forgotten. It's there. It's ready to go. I will definitely get that out there for you to give you some guidance and the feedback that you need to keep moving on your law of attraction journey. Well, as I said, don't go anywhere. We have a very, very inspiring interview coming up after the break as I am joined by my special guest, Karen Lovett, who will be on the show with me. So don't go anywhere. We will be back after this break. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network, heard by millions worldwide through 38 internet radio stations and in over 135 countries. Be sure to sign up for your monthly updates and get all the latest information on LOA radio events such as cruises, workshops, and seminars, as well as information on the latest shows, topics, and guests. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com and sign up today. It's here, it's hot, and it's a must-read. It's the science behind The Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net. That's lawofattractionmagazine.net. Welcome back, everyone, to part two of your missing link to the Law of Attraction show. With me, your host, Coach Rita Hurry. My special guest today is life coach and motivator, international radio host, and speaker and advocate, Karen Lovett. Karen, welcome to, my, to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Coach Rita. This is a, such a wonderful opportunity to be here with you and everyone else. Thank you. It's lovely to have you. Mm. Now, growing up, you were instilled with strong core values and a sense of self and determination in your large family. So can you share with the listeners what life was like for you growing up? Oh, sure. Let's see. Wow. Oh, well, we, I have a very large family. Um, it's, it's colorful. We're colorful. We're Irish and Italian and it's, it's just a lot of fun. We have a, oh, wow. you know, very, yeah, yeah. It's, um, 
it's just a lot of very um, oh, deeply engaged people, I suppose. We all love life, right? But growing up as a child, um, the core values were like palpable in a room. You, you could just tell we were always raised banking, I'm happy to say, but there were there were glances and there were, um, I guess, you know, expectations just to be um, your best, mm-hmm. to do things well, but to be a good person, basically, to, to just be mindful and be kind. Um, you know, when we grew up with a large faith base, which, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for my dad, especially my dad, um, he was a career military aviator. And he just had like this bigger than life. I don't know. He, he wasn't afraid, it seemed like to me. He was like my, my real life hero. Mm-hmm. So he was always so much fun. He would challenge me and my other, other, others in my family to, to just play and have fun. And it, w- it was so great. Like everything was a big adventure. I don't know. And yeah. when we were afraid, he would just say, well, what are you afraid of? What, what's the worst thing that can happen? And we're like, well... And and I remember that. Like, it's funny talking about it now. And we'd be like, well, and he's like, so if you're afraid, does that mean you're not going to try this? You don't think I have your back? And <laughs> Wow, that's great. Mm, so so we just played big and we, you know, we, yeah, it was just great. A lot of love all the way around. Brilliant. So you mentioned, obviously, um, the strong faith. I mean, were you in yourself um, quite spiritual growing up then? Well, yeah, you know, I like mo like many, I suppose, who grew up, you know, in a religious. Um, you know, my family was religious. We went to church, mm-hmm. but I think I was spiritual, really. Very, I think I was spiritual early on because yeah. I was afraid. I, I know. I think a lot of children are afraid. Um, you look at the pictures in the Bible, or you look at, and no disrespect meant to any anyone or any of the listeners. I don't want to offend anybody, but the pictures of like. The bloody Jesus, the crucifix, you know what we see? Mm. That used to scare me, and I was afraid. Yeah. And I didn't like it. But I remember looking at different books and the pictures in the Bible and the pretty colored pictures of, like, with angels and with Mary and with some of the other women in the Bible. And, and just looking at, I remember seeing pictures of Jesus and just looking at his face, and it was strong but soft. Yeah, You know, and it wasn't painful and scary. So I think, yeah, I, I grew up, I think I was spiritual early on. I remember asking a lot about angels mm-hmm. when I was very young. And my, I don't think my parents quite knew how to answer me. Because I'm like, well, are they all around? And they were like, well, yeah. I'm like, you know, and I, would, I was the inquisitive child, as you can tell. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think spiritual, spirituality for me was something that I, I really um, connected to early on. Really, I, yeah. I knew that, you know, there was a faith, but... I don't want to tie it into any specific, no offense, religious um, denomination. You know, I yeah. I kind of was like, I, I just felt it all the way around. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I knew the universe was big early on. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Mm, yeah, I think, I think I can identify with that as well. I mean, someone who... I've, I've gone through a few religions in my time. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. I think... I can identify with where you're talking about the the spiritual aspect. I think that was the the part of religion that I was drawn to was I was searching for the more spiritual aspect than the actual religion itself. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as you can, it's almost the softness between the religion and and what it teaches. There's there's an underlying gentleness and flow, I guess. Mm-hmm. That that's mm-hmm. how I kind of describe, it. and that's the kind of feeling I get from when you're describing it as well. That that, that was mostly attracting you into exactly. the whole realm. Yeah. yeah, like you know, I yeah, but I would look, you know, at the stained glass windows in the church, right? And mm-hmm. people, you know, don't really you look at them, but you, I mean, I was like absorbing them, and I really was drawn to a few of them. And that I think that you know, I would go home and ask questions, and my parents were like, "Okay, what do we do?" There was something out there, bigger. Yeah. You know, yeah, at a very young age. So it was, it's kind of an incredible. I'm glad you share that. No, that, that's lovely. Now, mm. I also understand that you had an athletic background also. Um, is that correct? Can you share, elaborate on that a little for oh, us? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Well, you know, I grew up, um, you know, pretty much like 
any most ch- any normal ch- children uh, playing, but I really liked. Um, I, I became a, a very good runner, distance runner, actually, and I always grew up riding horses from a very young age. So I was an um, equestrian rider and competitor for a long time. Mm-hmm. Wow, brilliant! And what was it that? Was there a passion for that um, at an early age or was it something that you just sort of fell into? Well, uh, let's see. I, I began riding when I was three. Mm-hmm. I, had an, I have an aunt that bred horses and my cousin and I would go out in the paddock and hang out with the baby foals and they were like big dogs. We didn't know any better. They were, you know. And then um, I remember she put me on, on horseback because my, my cousin was up and up in the saddle and I'm like, well, I wanted to try so, you know, there we were, these tiny, I was three, she was four, and I didn't know, and my aunt kept saying, you know, giddy up, go, you know, tell them to go, and yeah. I, it's kind of funny, because that's what I called them for a long time, they were goes, they weren't horses, because <laughs> I didn't, you know, that's what I said to them, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, but I loved, um, I think, and then when I was probably five or six, I really started to ride, and I, I don't know, I felt as if I was, and I was probably, you know, walking and maybe learning to trot a bit, not anything fast, as mm-hmm. because I was so little. But and my aunt and everything was by my side. But it felt uh, very free. Yeah. I was flying. I love that feeling. I just felt like I was on top of the world, like I was soaring. Yeah, and yeah. then it just it continued from there. Wow. That- that's that seems to be almost a drawing factor f- almost through throughout your childhood in terms of that that sort of free spiritness that's coming through would you say that that was something that you identify with obviously now sort of talking about your childhood and actually looking back was that kind of free spirit and I guess maybe your father instilling that of of not being afraid to to go for things yeah I I love that thank you for pointing that out because that really those two words free spirit yeah that that pretty much captures it and I I really am I was really happy to hear you say that um yeah and you know and my dad like I said he, he didn't tell us to hide from fear, mm-hmm. but he wanted us to, to, to recognize what, what was it that was going to stop us. And, you know, we have this opportunity, like I said, and he, he maintained safe boundaries. He wasn't we weren't ever doing anything. We weren't safe, you know, yeah. but he instilled in us that he was there and that he loved us and that he, he just encouraged us to jump in and get into the game of life, if you will. Mm. And, and to really, you know, feel their fear and just move through it. So yeah, that was like a really big lesson and it's amazing how it's showing up now for me. And yeah, free spirit is is very accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you made that transformation, obviously in terms of moving on in your life um, into adulthood, did things, were you, um, how can I put it? Were you able to take what you'd learned from childhood and and move forward with it or was there sometimes a bit of a struggle to actually maintain that that inner strength oh gosh yeah it I think that's that's one of the bigger challenges right mm. um yeah my I, I call them my core values or my or my inner strengths they they always served me because I had a career in nursing so um that actually served me very well because it, it can be difficult taking care of people who aren't well um, and, you know, being the person, the go-to person, the contact for, for family members. And um, you, you really have to have to be grounded. Yeah. Um, it, it can be easy to be thrown off kilter a bit um, with everything that's going on in a medical environment. So I, I'm really grateful that I had such a strong core that served me. Um Let's see. And yeah, maintaining can be difficult, which is part of the reason why I actually liked running. Mm-hmm. I, I ran I ran in high school, I played other sports as well. Um, but, you know, running for me, distance running became a, sort of a form of meditation for me. Yeah. You know, depending on, on my shift, obviously, if I work days or evenings, um, then you can run during normal hours. But when you work 
like let's say the 11 to 7 or third shift that's difficult to run so I would run later the, the next day you know I'd have mm. to catch up with it but running for me was actually it became sort of meditative um, because as I put on my shoes I was able to be free yeah and you know running three miles then to five miles it was like oh and then I would notice the landscape around me or the season or you know whatever but I would just I felt um that was my time for me actually I was being good to myself because I was maintaining a healthy lifestyle and not holding on to the stress from work you know so I was letting go of that but I was also keeping myself physically strong and at the same time as I increased in my mileage and then got into you know half marathoning and marathoning um, yeah, I beca- I, it, it really was a form of meditation for me, which I really looked forward to. It, it, was, an, it was very, very nice for me. And it's, it's accepted, you know, because yeah. I think a, a lot of people with high-stress um, jobs or occupations, you know, we can go, you can go home and you can do anything to access, right? And mm. no, no judgment, I mean that. Yeah. But this, this was something that really uh, fit me. And it worked well, so I wasn't, yeah, I, I really loved it. So I wasn't overeating and I wasn't indulging in too many sweets or, you know, beverages, if you will. And I, I certainly never smoked, so I this seemed to really be in alignment with who I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's almost like active meditation, isn't it? When you get into the flow of something, mm-hmm. you can just let your mind go and not having to be so much in control. Yeah, it was very liberating. It, it really felt good. People were like, how could you run all that time? And it was like, it's like it, it was nice, you know. It was just, and it, like I said, going into the half marathon and then wanting to run a full marathon was was a natural progression. And then I, you know, have a running club that I was part of and a coach. So it it just seemed like, it's like wow, where, you know, look where this brought me. It brought me to this place. Yeah, and it yeah. was wonderful. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's kind of expanded you in a different um, area. You know, it's not just work and come home it's actually something else that's a hobby so to speak and then actually taking it further and doing something that gives you that passion on a on a deeper level right well well, yeah it it evolved yeah it it challenged me the very thing that I was doing to like you said relax and de-stress um you know actually challenged me it it raised me the bar was raised so as I as I started to run um, you know, different distances and become part of my running club, we would do a lot for the community, you know, fundraisers and this and that. So I was always involved in giving back some way, um, you know, doing something for the community, fundraising, working the course at a, at a race or, you know, actually running or being part of a team. So yeah, it was amazing how this you know, blossomed into something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Now, in 2013, things changed dramatically for you when you were involved in a life-changing car accident that left you with a traumatic brain injury. Can you share with the listeners what actually happened? Oh, sure. Well, I was driving uh, after my shift one evening, and I was involved in an accident with the teenage driver and you know the road was fine it was hard packed snow it was treated uh it wasn't slippery i was maintaining a good rate of speed i i was in my lane um well aware it's funny i remember now well aware of everything that night um it was very cold it was a cold new england night it was early in january in 2013 and i had an accident um with like i said a teenage driver and with that um, oh, there were some deer that were in the median on the highway and had crossed over. So that, that didn't help. Uh, but with it all, I, unbeknownst to me at the time, um, with a seatbelt on, mm-hmm. had gone through this, I'd gone through this steering, I'd gone through, excuse me, the dashboard on the left-hand side. I hit my head on the support beam, support panel on the left-hand side. I remember that. And then I, I remember just seeing lights in my face and nowhere to go because I was in the right-hand lane, so I couldn't go anywhere. I Mm -hmm. I tried, but I wasn't able to maneuver around what was coming at me. Uh, So bright lights in my face, a loud crash. Like I said, 
a bump, a bump to the left side of my head. Um, I, I was told I went through the dashboard, like I said, unbeknownst to me at the time. Yeah. Um, I spun around in the seat with a seatbelt on because I don't weigh enough for the seatbelt to hold me and then slammed into the steering column of my SUV. So that actually moved my spine a bit. But what happened was the airbags, you know, imploded, went off. And um, what happened was I looked down and at my gloves and I had suede, I suede gloves on, they had a suede palm and they were burned off. And that caused me great alarm because it's, it's dark, it's, it's, it's evening. Mm. And, you know, I can't really see because the airbags, like I said, had gone off. So there's lots of stuff flying through the air. Yeah, and it, and um, and it didn't smell very good, and they could hear the engine revving like it was going to blow up. And I looked down, and it had been burned off, and I could feel the seatbelt tightening and releasing in succession. And then I heard the electric door locks clicking at a rapid rate, and I thought, "I'm going to die! Literally, I'm going to die!" Mm. And I was really unaware that the engine was partially in my lap. And I got out. And I thought that I was on the shoulder of the highway I was on. Yeah. And I, I was unaware. And what happened next was pretty, well, what I told months later was pretty amazing. Standing, and I'm grateful to be standing. And I look down, and I look up, and I see, from as far as I can see, like peripherally, this silver gray triangle in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I can see it peripherally, and on the edges was beautiful crystal white light, like a prism. Yeah. And it it followed the outline of my body perfectly. And I moved my right hand three times, very slowly, but just to see what in the world this was that I was seeing in front of me. And the line for the triangle for the right side followed me. Every time I moved my hand, it moved with me. And I felt cold air each time. And there were three cars that had gone by my right hand. And I was on the interstate of the highway in the right-hand lane, facing traffic, coming at me, unbeknownst to me. And I wasn't a bit afraid. This triangle was holding me in place. Yeah. And I couldn't quite see through it. It was beautiful silver opalescent triangle gray. It was beautiful. And I, a gentleman in a Range Rover came upon me in the lane of traffic because I saw two circles of light when they were his headlights because I was trying to see through, like I said, this triangle. Yeah. And he he stopped dead in front of me because he was going to hit me. And he jumped out and pulled me to the shoulder and saved my life. And when I was, you know, talked to the doctors, they said I hit my head. I told them what happened. Mm. And they, they didn't understand. And then a year later, they asked me again what happened. And... And I told them. And they said, well, you had an out-of-body experience. And I said, well, I wasn't afraid. And I tried to lean forward into this triangle that was holding me. Yeah. And I couldn't. I couldn't move. So I certainly know that there was a presence there that, that night holding me. Mm. And it continued. So it went from a year to a year and a half to two years. And medical providers asking me to explain what this is. And I had written and spoken to Dr. Evan Alexander, who wrote Proof of Heaven. Mm-hmm. And he said that I had an out-of-body experience. Although I didn't go into coma like he did in his book, yeah. I I had, you know, an out-of-body experience. It was definitely a presence uh, from another realm. And, yeah, that that's how that went. And it was a very, the next uh, two and a half years was a very long and, and crazy walk for me, becoming uh, from the medical professional provider mm. navig- from to a patient navigating the medical model it was interesting because you would tell people this and you could tell they they didn't believe me yeah you know yeah yeah so it it was very um eye-opening if you will Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I I have heard that um people that do go through out-of-body experiences it is very different and a lot of us seem to think it's the same thing that you people would experience almost but it but it's not I've heard a few instances where it 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 is different and people aren't sure what they've experienced until Mm -hmm. obviously they've spoken to someone who um who maybe is an expert in this like like for yourself and then you you realize that that was what you had 
In terms, obviously, once you found out that it was an, an out-of-body experience, I mean, did that help you or did that give you um, some sort of comfort in giving you the strength to keep going? Yeah, well, you know, it, it did because, like I said, the, the road got really dark, as you know, from mm. that point on, my, my life got really, really dark. And um, anyways, but yeah, I knew, even though I, I couldn't, I couldn't see, um, you know, a face, if you will. Yeah. To 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 uh, specifically to name the presence. Um, I I knew with everything that I was and everything that was inside of me. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, my spirituality, if you will, and my heart, and my soul knew that there was someone there. And um, after. Well, yeah, after a bit of work and finding the right person to work with, because everybody wanted to give me medication mm. um, to subdue this and to, because I suffered from post-traumatic stress syndrome as well, um, you know, watching or viewing anything on television that was not since or an emergency scene on TV, you know, um, yeah. any 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 show like that, any clip from a movie would just be too much and put me into a total meltdown, so to speak. And my eyes weren't really functioning as well. I wasn't really able to see. Um, but, but that aside, you know, it was really difficult. So finding the right person um, and, a, you know, professional to work with, as I mean, in counseling and psychotherapy to get through this, she was able to get me to a place where I was willing to go back and we, we figured out or I figured out, I suppose who that was. And I have always had a sense and it made me sort of sad in a way. I, I, I really believe that, um, I always thought it was an angel or God mm. I believe that the manifestation that night that saved me was my father. Yeah. Because yeah. my, th my father suffered from a traumatic brain injury due to a car accident in the same vehicle that I was driving that night. Oh wow! Okay, because I I did sort of think about your father when you when you actually mentioned it, but obviously I didn't want to say anything at the time. But yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it was really, um, boy, I, I remember that, and it's like so it's comforting in one sense to know mm -hmm. that it could be your dad. Yeah, and then it just brought up so much. Like, you know, because I love him so much. We all love our parents. Mm. I had such a close bond. And yet, like I said, he died years before me. And I, I don't remember now due to my own accident and my memory loss. But he had an accident in the same vehicle I was driving that caused him a severe traumatic brain injury that required neurosurgery. Right. And that actually led to his death. And I, I took care of him before he died at home um, after working my shift. So, mm. yeah, so it was a really... Um, Realizing that this, yeah, like I said, was my dad was was a bit was a big lump to to swallow. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. actually lost for words. Yeah, it was like wow. So, so yeah, now you know. So I know that I was meant to do more, Rita. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm I mean, I who stands in a lane of traffic, right, on on a highway at nine o'clock at night, in a yeah. dark brown chocolate coat with cars coming at them. Yeah, and, and that's when when you describe that 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 was what it was that I sort of resonated with what you'd said about your father was the fact that at that moment there was there was no fear I mean obviously you weren't aware of of what was going on but when you met you did mention obviously in this interview about that that not having that fear of anything and, and that's why I sort of just quickly thought of your father and, and what he was saying to you that almost facing your fear and 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 that was kind of what connected the dots I guess for me in terms of what you were saying mm. wow mm. Mm. now I know obviously being a survivor um, you went through a lot of lows um, especially I mean dealing with the diagnosis now I understand it got very low in terms of um, contemplating suicide how did you um, move from this point what what helped you not oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, that's fine. So, yeah, first I was told, that, like I said, I had a nasty concussion. And then I learned that I had a traumatic brain injury because I got worse instead of better. And I, I won't really get into all. I really have become an advocate 
uh, at my core, being a, a nurse and everything, that's who I am. So, yeah, learning that I had a traumatic brain injury was painful because, once again, here comes the Band-Aid being pulled off, um, really representative of taking care of other patients who have had traumatic brain injuries and other injuries, spinal cord injuries, if you will. But to have my father and his accident be really what I call my last true nursing assignment and to share a similar diagnosis was almost too much in the same vehicle because, like I said, with my accident, that vehicle was totaled. Mm. Um, so that w- there was um, a lot really that represented a lot for me metaphysically so with me and that vehicle it 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 was gone you know that it was shattered it would no longer serve and going through the medical model for me um was was eye-opening as it was for my providers so you see because the tearing that i have in my brain my body would reject all medicine because it would recognize medicine has a foreign invader and my body would just react and doctors were not believing until they really started to see and they would look in their PDR and look up side effects and I would try to advocate and speak for myself and tell them and then it was well try this or that so I would try whatever was recommended because I don't want to be an uncooperative patient so, lo and behold, what I would say would be true. Mm-hmm. And they would see my body reject violently everything that they had available to give me. And this led me to a very dark place because the system in which I once worked and was comfortable, very comfortable because I was part of the network mm-hmm. and, and helped serve other people, was not serving me. You yeah. know, Going to the doctor represented this great pain and anxiety. And what are they going to do for me? Mm. Because, like I said, modern medicine, my body was rejecting it. And through all of this also, I had lost my home. I I can say, uh, I do say actually, I husband, which is fine. We had a very nice house. Um... I lost my home. I had to walk away from it. Um, my car was shattered. My horse that I loved, who was very healthy, fell in an indoor ring following my accident and broke his left front pasture and had to be put down. My stepchildren didn't understand who I was because of my impulsivity, because I smacked my head so hard, much like a pro football player or pro athlete. Yeah. I had no filter. And like I said early on that I was struggling. I got worse before I got better, meaning there was a large disconnect. My hands weren't working. My hands would cross. My eyes weren't working. I couldn't read. Words were coming out in burst. I um, was often swearing and didn't really mean to. My words were being garbled. I had um, expressive aphasia, much like a a stroke patient would have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very alarming for me to have all of this happen. It was, it was, like I said, the disconnect for me was palpable and it brought me to a very low place and working with professionals in neuro rehab and actually getting to a point of accepting neuro rehab, um, was a bit of a battle because I would go see my doctors who knew me very, very well. And I would be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to get better. This is a concussion. I'm going to get fine. I'm going to get better. What do you mean? And, you know, one test after the other, I would fail. Yeah. I mean, I would fail miserably. I, you know, I can't even go into it, but they, and then it was like, you need to go to neuro rehab. And I said, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. And going there and learning and realizing I had the diagnosis of traumatic brain injury was, 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 was heavy. And because I'm, the waiting room there are people you know in wheelchairs who and and some on feeding tubes or, or whatnot i understand that but for me to sit there in the waiting room to look at me the bumps and bruises all healed thank god really mm-hmm. um or or you know whatever your belief system is but thank you to whatever higher power had led me to this healing but on the inside there was this injury that no one could see and it was invisible and like i said 
through all the trials of medicine, my body failed me and lent, you know, ending me up in um, the hospital several times in the cardiac unit on a nitro IV, um, realizing that I was bottoming out. My body wasn't tolerating even that uh, because I had a reaction to a medication. I was actually going to code. I had the phone in my hand, dropped the phone. I was talking to my family, telling me I didn't feel well. Um, I'm literally choking three times in my own house because I smacked my head hard enough where I wasn't able to always swallow yeah. and standing, standing in my kitchen reader, really eating no offense chicken that I had cooked with my family. My family's busy moving here and there and I'm choking and they can, and I can't say anything. So why do I do? I throw myself over the kitchen sink after having gone through the dashboard on the left-hand side, all bruised, then give myself the Heimlich maneuver once and then I'll go, are you okay? I'm like, no, I choked. And then it happened two other times and my family had to Heimlich maneuver me. So, you know, realizing that I had to file for federal disability, which I'm grateful for, by the way. But yeah. having lost everything in the world that the world identified me with mm -hmm. and, and, and the doctors and therapists that cared for me did not even want to tell me at that point that I was no longer going to be able to practice nursing because they knew that if I did that, that would probably be like the last straw, if you will. Yeah, and, and when I learned that my nursing license was not going to be renewable, well, and I I knew that at that point after nine months of neuro rehab, which was intense, mm. um, I I can honestly say I can not really do math anymore. I'm able to do second grade math with difficulty. Yeah, with, with, and when I say second grade math, that includes two digits. Yeah, if you give me anything that requires three digits, addition or subtraction, I can't do it. Right. because of the tearing in my brain so that led me to a very dark place and yeah I I know as a nurse um you know what combinations to take if you will yeah. and I'm certainly not advocating believe you me but it, it brought me to a, a place that I never in a yeah. million years thought that I would ever go to yeah yeah gosh so and I and I did I, I went to a place where I um, was misunderstood because I said that I was afraid mm. and that um, that brought me to a ride one day to the hospital and being locked in a ward because I thought I was suicidal. And what it was was I was fearful and I was having difficulty with my words. Mm. And I, was I, I can honestly say I was cleared by mental health that day. Um, I, they deemed I was not suicidal. But from that very day and being misunderstood, like I said, being part of the system I worked in in medicine, uh, when I had another low point in my life, which they came frequently at that time because I looked like me, but I didn't know who Karen was and didn't know what Karen was even capable, seriously, in any realm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did contemplate suicide twice after that. And I believe that that episode that day uh, going, having a police actually escort me to the ER and locking me in a room, um, that actually precipitated me to to do or to try that. And um, I speak to that when I speak at groups, depending on, you know, if it's a sporting group or if it's a support group or whom, whomever the audience is. I do talk about that openly because I want people to understand the system. You know, if people are battling something and they think it's bigger than them, um, often point where we say, well, we feel invisible or the world's forgotten us. So people will try suicide. Mm. And I, I talk about that to share with them that process, you know, that it, it be, be very mindful and very careful um, because that very process can actually bring you to a very low place indeed. It didn't really serve you. They try, you know, I'm not yeah. knocking them, but it it certainly does. Um, yeah, it really rocks you to your core. So, yeah, it um, that was eye-opening. And so through that, I had gone to see, um, well, the, the spiritual leader at my church. She's since retired. And um, I reached out. And I knew, and we started to do some meditation because I knew that I was well, that I, I can at least try that. I, I wasn't able to do much else. I couldn't really talk and I wasn't able to write and I'm not really able to watch TV and music was annoying because I had sound sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, let's try meditation because 
Okay. And um, it was in meditation. And and in the time, like I said, with the um, psychotherapist I found who understood me, who was able to get me to go back to realize about that moment on the highway, um, largely with her help, I was able to really tap into my soul. Yeah. And figure out, okay, I have a, a piece of my soul that really is comprised of uh, spirituality and love. Mm-hmm. And let's look at that because I'm here. Yeah. I'm still here. Through it all, I'm still here. I don't care, you know, what happened really. We all have a story, right? Mm-hmm. But through it all, I, I'm here. And, and that became um, a great awakening. And then I went on this quest, if you will, I call it a quest because it was, um, and it is, of forgiveness and radical forgiveness. I forgave the person in the car that night that hit me. Mm. I forgave everyone and everything, and then I had to go into forgiveness for myself and really self-love. And through that, now here I am, and I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I love the the fact that you you mentioned that because – a lot of the times we forget that the the inner strength the strength that does see us through is really within us and you know you mentioned meditation which I'm a huge fan of which I mention a lot in my show but it is about just making that connection to you and as you mentioned about the forgiveness aspect and and the being grateful that yeah you are you have made it you you are alive and Karen, you were such an inspiration. I mean, um, obviously, be, being a guest on your show, The Sky's the Limit on Voice America, you, I mean, obviously, you do have lots of inspirational guests on there. But, you know, you you share your message and, and you keep going, inspiring people. What would you say to someone who, I mean, this was something you mentioned on your website in, in the video interview you had about your brain injury. Injury, You mentioned that you won't let this diagnosis define you. I mean, how, what would you say to someone who was act, who's actually possibly at that low point right now? I mean, obviously, you touched on the fact of what helped you going within and connecting to your soul and, and love. What would you say mm-hmm. to someone right now? Okay, sure. Wow, that that's a lot. And I will, I'm going to get to this. So, yeah, for me, you know, like I said, learning or hearing and learning and, and accepting, if you will, the diagnosis of traumatic brain injury was a lot. Mm-hmm. And with that, I, there's a certain preconceived notion about it, I think, out there in the world. And emotions for me around that and um so like I said with my forgiveness work and self-love and self-care I realized that okay I have this diagnosis as I said in my video um and that's clear and that's true but all I am I am so much more we we are all so much more than whatever it is or is not that is going on in our life, a circumstance or situation and, and or a diagnosis. Yeah, and um, I don't mean to make light of any diagnosis that it has, honestly, but I want people to understand that that just, for me, that tells me where I am on my journey mm-hmm. at this moment because, you know, three years ago I wasn't a traumatic brain injury survivor. Today I am. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. That's that's like that's one piece of it. Truth of it is, um, yeah, I, I through all of my work, and it was work. I began to realize that I am worthy, and that I am, I I have love inside of me to give, and it begins first of all with me loving myself. Yeah. Even if that includes the bumps and bruises and the diagnosis, I really am not wild about. Because people often think, no offense, that you're less than yourself. Traumatic brain injury means that um, I'm not capable. I mm. can't think. And I don't really even like this word, but I think you all know it. Um, people will say, oh, they think you're retarded. Mm. And, and, I, I, and, I'm, and, and traumatic brain injury survivors and a lot of people are not that. 
So, um, you know, I, 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 I fight back very hard. And, well, I'm an advocate, let's say. Um, yeah. So what I would say to someone who's maybe at the lowest of low, just know I've been there. Mm. I, I, re- I have been there. I have also witnessed as a provider somebody at that point. But having really walked that walk and been to my lowest point where I, I didn't even feel like I, I wanted to be on this earth plane, really, and wanting to check out, I would say take a moment because there are people that do love you and you are love yourself. And inside of your heart, you have a soul, you have faith, and it will serve you and light your way. Because once you go as low as you can go, which I did and whoever is listening, if you've ever had that real low where you just can't take it anymore, that's actually a blessing because you can only go up. Mm. But I promise you, you will. there will be a light that will shine and you might. there may be an inkling, a thought, something that gives you some belly fire that I say pay attention to that because you can emerge anew and be and grow and thrive. And yeah, you have may have a diagnosis you don't like or a circumstance or situation in your life, but you're not that. You're more than that. You will come out the other side and it will serve you to make you stronger and bigger and better. I promise. Yeah. I love that. No. Thank you so much, Karen, for mm-hmm. for sharing that. And um, obviously, unfortunately, we are running out of time. But there may be listeners out there who might, who possibly have been affected by what you've said, have probably identified with it as well for themselves. If there's anyone um, out there listening who would like to contact you in terms, because I know obviously you do offer coaching and you do offer various services, where can they go to find out more information about what you offer and how you can help them? Oh, sure. And, And like, I do speak to people who are not survivors of traumatic brain injury. I speak to a lot of people. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I do. Um, So my website is www.karen, K-A-R-E-N dash Levitt, L-E-A-V-I-T-T dot com. And my email is there. It's info at Karen dash Levitt dot com. And there's also a 1-800 number available. And then as well, they can also listen to the show as well. And that's the sky's the limit on Voice America. Is that correct? It is. Yeah, it's a um, World Talk Radio. They have the internet radio base, and that's World Talk Radio's internet base, VoiceAmerica.com. And the program is the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. And I was so honored to have you join me on the on the broadcast as well. I was um, very glad and appreciated being one of your guests, Karen. It was one of my greatest experiences. So thank you for that. Um, the the alignment's just beautiful. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we have come to the end of our show. Um, just for you listeners to know, Karen, you are actually in the middle of writing a book, aren't you? I am actually. Well, I'm writing two. Actually, it's funny. Um, I'm writing it my personal story, which is due to be out this fall on Amazon and Kindle in ebook, and it's called. From Perfection to Reflection of a Fractured Mind. And I have a second book in the works right now. Um, It's a compilation of short stories from other people in the world that have gone through adversity in their life, um, all different types, and who are survivors and shining brightly. And it it should be out, I want to say, no less than six months, and that title of that book is The Resilient Soul. And yeah, my hopes is that um, that book is sort of like chicken soup for your soul, but I, I really feel um, empowered right now to, sh- to highlight, like we talked about, the power of our soul. Mm. So I feel like this book, The Resilient Soul, will 
be a compilation of short stories. So if someone picks it up and they are going through something, they might land on the page of the person that's sharing an experience yeah. that they may that that might shine some light on their life. Definitely, and. It, when that book comes out, I would love to have you back on the show and then maybe we can we can share and we can talk about the book as well because I feel I time, time slipped by so quickly and there was like so many things that I, put, I wanted to bring out of the interview but unfortunately time was slipping by. So if, you know, once the book comes out, it'd be great to have you on and maybe we could elaborate further because I'm sure there's many people out there were touched by what you said and would actually benefit from hearing more and, and getting um, more support in terms of that and being able to identify how to pull out from from being so low and be just continuing to be an inspiration which you are Karen so thank you for taking the time out to be a special guest on my show today oh thank you so much thank you for having me you're welcome. Well, that's it, everyone, for another show. Until next time, remember, enjoy you. This is Coach Rita Hurry signing out. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another great show of your missing link to the law of attraction. For more information, go to coachrita.co.uk That's coachrita.co.uk